Oh, Podcast. Where what do Couldn't we talk keep about? Away. What do we talk music, about? Music mostly. Music, culture. culture. Uh, there's a quiz that I do at the beginning with Max every time. Um, it's my favorite part. I've never, I've never gotten it correct. Well, you what? You did get it correct last time. I think it's, half. it counts. Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit of a trick question. Anyway, half, so I think I half a point, it. but we can round up. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's right. It was a half a point, half full. So first things like first, what have you been up to in the quarantine? Well, um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, funnily enough, uh, playing video games still, still playing um, uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, I've been reading this cool webcomic that's on Twitter uh, called Goblin Comic that I've I've been really into. And it's cool because... It, the person writes it like or like puts it out like a couple times a week their name is uh caleb it's like at their handle is at caleb underscore blog and they put out a poll where you can vote on what happens next there's oh. like four options oh wow um yeah it's super cool and then like he just like makes like a four panel i think it's um a dude makes a four panel comic um kind of based on that prompt and it's super cool yeah, I so saw you posted that. I, that I wanted to check it out, and then I realized it was only on Twitter, and then I stopped because I refused <laughs> to participate. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to make an account to look at it, dude. No, and I already have an account, so it's not even like that's oh, okay. that big of an obstacle. I just didn't. Just I don't do know. It. For whatever reason, I'm just very stubborn, and I didn't want to. I think you'd like it. I don't want to step into into the unknown territory of Twitter. Just instantly become uh, an edge lord. Yeah. Shit poster. Yeah. You should know that you have that tendency or something. I think the goal of the quarantine is to not become that for me. Just yeah, for sure. Exercising it's tough. restraint every day to not do that. Yeah, I've been letting myself go a little bit. Um, yeah. But I also listened to a really cool episode of a podcast earlier today that was recommended to me by a friend. Um, you know that podcast Reply All? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, they just put out a super good episode that is like one of the best episodes of a podcast I've, I've heard it's about uh this guy who becomes obsessed with uh a pop song that gets stuck in it that's like stuck in his head but like he can't find mention of it anywhere online and then like the person who does the podcast like helps him you know like figure out how to, how to track down this song that's like there's no lyrics of it online like it's like you know this kind of mystery story wow about a weird pop song yeah that's really uh, cool. it's tight nice yeah um yeah what have you been up to uh i've, I've just gone full into the um I guess homemaking, uh, whatever. Everyone else seems to be going through the exact same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I've, I made like a vegan cheese out of carrots and potatoes and cashew yogurt. Oh wow! Um, I made, uh, been making vegetable stock. I've been making. I made like bourbon pecans and then candy the pecans. Nice. That's one of my signature moves. Uh, yesterday, yep. I actually baked sourdough bread for the first time. Because my roommates, one of my roommates gave me starter. One of my roommates mm-hmm. gave me flour, mm-hmm. which was hard to find. Uh, it went all right. It tastes like sourdough bread. It just didn't rise as, no, as much. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's my Call fault. Flatbread. I don't really like following recipes or being told uh-huh. what to do or anything. So <laughs> uh, I did a lot of eyeballing. I did a lot of uh, right. improvisation. That's what I've heard. Is that, I've heard that bread making is um, yeah, just super off the cuff. Yeah, just in the yeah. moment decision making. Just a lot of instinct. Mm-hmm. A lot of smelling yeah. stuff, looking at stuff, pinch of this, Tasting pinch of that. Yeah. Make yeah. uh, some do some things that no one told you to do, and then it doesn't turn out the right. Uh, the exact right way that's fine it's yeah it's like why doesn't bread bake as good as it should in the microwave <laughs> no one knows yeah there's no reason why it shouldn't right yeah. <laughs> to, to be clear i did not use a microwave but okay yeah i've just been cleaning and uh doing that finding ways to use the produce that i do have uh reading a lot and i haven't been listening to as much podcasts i've been listening to a lot of music which has been cool Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, um, before we get into the, the meat of the show, um, I uh, some, something we want to do is just kind of shout out um, organizations and, and programs and stuff that are supporting people right now because, you know, we all know most of us need some support. A lot of people can't. Uh, either they're out of work or they're working in really risky jobs or you know what i mean like uh there's just a lot of people who are already super vulnerable um all across the country all across the world that need a lot of extra help right now um on account yeah. of the rona yeah so and we don't yeah. get paid you, you for anything of- we don't have sponsors or anything we just want to amplify oh. the voices and projects that we feel are doing good no yeah so actually i wanted to talk about something that i pay toward um, I, for the past couple months, have been a dues-paying due, member of the DSA, which is something that I've I've thought about for a while, the Democratic Socialists of America. And I originally got involved a couple months ago because I was just getting more involved in the Bernie campaign. Or like, I mean, when I say involved, I mean like I phone banked, you know what I mean? But um, and and posted many memes uh, in support of <laughs> what I imagine the Bernie campaign was trying to do, but. Um, so, but, but I mean, the DSA is doing a lot of really important stuff. And I think I just wanted to shout it out up top here because there's chapters in most, you know, major cities for sure. And in most areas, I mean, they've, they've been popping up more and more since the Bernie campaign, I think really kicked off a lot of things in 2016, but, but since then it's been building a lot of steam, a lot of people getting involved who have all different kinds of ideas, you know, generally, but like skew a little bit to the left, um, and are doing stuff like mutual aid, doing a lot of um, services, providing a lot of services to folks uh, that I think other initiatives are doing, but it's all kind of gathered under one um, umbrella sort of. And it's a lot of going to be a lot of people who are like trying to figure out what to do next, who might have been interested in the Bernie campaign, who are might have been really invested in in the election up to now, but are now like, you know, I don't know, I don't really know, you know, what that means to me anymore. I want to do something that I feel like is useful. Um, the DSA is one of those places where that's happening. Um, and it's another place where you can kind of put your money toward uh, if you want to be like a regular dues paying member. Like that's the main thing that I do that I've done so far with the DSA is just pay money. And I feel like I, I have, I at least feel like it's going towards something that is, is probably helpful right now. Yeah. And this is uh, I mean, if you can, you should give uh, just check it out. This is like uh, things that are directly affecting people and helping people during this time of crisis. Uh, 
and what really the future of a lot of those ideals that Bernie had campaigned on, uh, they lay in the hands of the DSA at this point, politically. Totally. And just like and lots of other organizations, but I think the benefit is like how focused um, or like how, yeah, just the fact that they, they're they focused on a lot of different things, I guess, actually. That they're kind of broad yeah. um, in their approach. Cool. So go check that yeah. out if you can. Uh, give some money if you can. Um, and now we're going to jump right into Max's Music Facts. Yes. And this is a game where... Um, Redemption round. I, I give Max three headlines taken from the news, uh, which these headlines are increasingly just more bizarre and crazy and like uh i think when we started doing this it was already kind of at that point and it was pretty easy just to throw a really absurd thing in and you know how are you gonna how are you gonna tell me that this is not true like uh right but at this point it's just it's kind of over the edge especially with the global pandemic and the amount of like like distortion that exists just yeah like everywhere um but the the game is i Give Max three headlines, and it's up to Max to determine which of these is fake, which one I've just been fibbing about. Um, that's why they call me the judge. That's why we called you Judge Max. Judge Duty. Order in the order on the pod. Uh, all right, so you ready? You ready to play? Yep. Yep. All right, here's the first one I have. Uh, politician Rand Paul who has been um, an avid opponent of the shelter-in-place sort of (laughs) uh, social distancing methods. You know, he's been very, like, outspoken about this. And he actually contracted the virus and recovered from it. Um, And he was – people were dismayed that he – while waiting for his (laughs) test results. he recovered. Still into, like, (laughs) a a public gym and was, like, telling people they didn't have to follow these – guidelines for right. safety uh and for the safety of others which is the more important part um but he was recently uh blasted on twitter by a musician known as none other than axel rose of guns and roses way okay now, okay who took a, a real stand against rand paul yeah so that's Hell one. yeah and and but just to be clear axel rose's stand is shelter in place yes uh he basically That's told position. uh i think he told him to step off <laughs> which is oh a, yeah a very guns and roses thing to say in general yeah it's incredibly yeah school of rock phrase yeah um the second one i have is paul mccartney recently came out um and it's just like a sort of pseudo vegetarian rant that he went on a pseudo like uh, you know, people need to stop eating bats, mate. And uh, obviously, those are like problematic <laughs> things to say. But the uh, target for his ire this time, uh, he, he kind of blamed it all on Ozzy Osbourne for starting it off um, okay. with Ozzy's famous performance where okay. in which he bit the head off of a bat. Uh, allegedly, right. I think there's like different stories about whether that was true or not. Uh, but, you know, it's, it looks like everyone's favorite beetle is sort of snapped. Mm-hmm. And he's again, blaming, blaming a lot of this, a lot of the virus. And like, it seems like he's trying to draw a tie from our current state of affairs to Ozzy Osbourne, which is okay. a little out there. Okay. Um, and my third is, uh, you Fair know, me. Lamb of God. The yeah, I'm familiar. Metal band. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. they recently announced a collaboration with BrewDog, one of the largest breweries um, in, I think, the U.S. It's a collaboration for a product called Ghost Walker, which is a mm. non-alcoholic beer. Um, they say it's the first collaboration between uh, like an artist and a brand for a non-alcoholic beer. For a non-alcoholic beer, wow! Because I was gonna say I've definitely seen like those Metallica beers; mm-hmm. those are out there. Yeah, the, um, I don't know if it's really—it's like a weird Guinness World Records loophole. Like, obviously, yeah. someone's done this already. Be like, oh no, no, but mine is non-alcoholic. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I, I wonder if like the guys in Lamb of God are sober. Okay. Well, I, I feel like Paul McCartney calling out Ozzy Osbourne—it's just too neat. It's too. That sounds like something that came that that sounds like something that came out of the twisted mind of Jordan, to me. You got it. Yes. You yes. It. Yes. Uh, I did Take think that. he did say something about how China needed to close down its wet markets. Right. So that's what I heard. Actually, he's just a racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which is not which can't be that far away from what we already probably knew and understood. Uh, it's also just not as funny just as an him old man who doesn't understand. He's just mad that people are eating bats. But it's weird to see right. that sort of like the way we engage with the news, you know, because I'm so I don't I don't want to say I'm involved in the vegan world. I'm just like uh, a witness to it because of right. the people I follow on Instagram and the things I'm keyed into, you know, obviously I try to eat uh, mostly vegan anyway. So I see a lot of this stuff and you get like veg news and other things like that saying, finally, someone's standing up to this stuff. Like Paul McCartney right. calls for the end of God wet markets. Uh, and right. then you know, on these other, the other side of what I'm keyed into is like very progressive and leftist politics. We are like, Hey, this old fucking dude is saying some problematic shit uh, right. based on theories that, there's no evidence you're you know like right. like what are you what are you fucking talking about man so, yeah. so it's something he'd be singing like uh when you when you find yourself feeling hungry uh, you know like, something about a bat <laughs> that, finish the yeah finish the... <laughs> i just i couldn't come up with the next line <laughs> all right well feeling peckish uh well now i feel like uh, i haven't i've been doing a terrible job of preparing <laughs> When, one, when you're looking at a bat and feeling peckish. Anyway, yeah. Someone someone else should do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then Lamb of God, they are, uh, I think the lead singer at least is sober or something like mm-hmm. that. But I just mm-hmm. thought that was a weird, like, what specific niche market? You know, obviously See, people my... should cherish their sobriety and have Absolutely. whatever access to products like that to be sober. Honestly, I say, I say cheers to that, dude. Yeah, cheers to that. I wanna, I'm ready to try yeah uh, bottom, what i say to that bottoms up i bet that that non-alcoholic beer that lamb of god is putting out tastes like uh that lead singer who's white tastes like his dreads dread sweat or something <laughs> yeah yeah Just yep funky that sounds and, good funky and sort of fake funky yeah and sort of offensive sort of offensive <laughs> yeah. uh, well cool max you got I, I nailed it pretty much one two in a row now that's okay yeah you didn't really have any hesitation so i think we should just round up and you got two wins under your belt here this one i felt good about it the whole time i was like i could have said something part way through but i was like i've already interrupted enough no i think you knew exactly (laughs) what you were saying yes yeah just yeah that that sounds like something that you would will into existence you personally yeah yeah (laughs) all right (laughs) 
Uh, well, we're going to have a short musical break here. And then Please. when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about what? Well, we're going to talk about what if some of our favorite musicians were Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition characters. Um, and yeah. I like that you put 5th edition in there. <laughs> Because you know well, that I mean, we'll I'm, have I'm not, a. I'm not making three point five. You know, that we'll have a very discerning audience. Fourth edition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just needed to know. I just needed the audience to know that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about yeah. genre, uh, sort of the history of it and how it relates to music today. Awesome. So yeah, this is a new part of our show where Max is going to do a dramatic reading of a meme we did it last time and it was a ton of fun very successful i got people have been begging for this to come back they won't leave us alone uh and i'm probably gonna put some like me synthesizer or something underneath and that'll make it even better so yeah max what do you got uh today max's meme corner oh i kind of forgot that it was like supposed to be inspired by the anyway so here we have kind of a a simple image at first um it's just a man and he's kind of portly uh and he he seems to be it's kind of like a classical painting uh, and he's holding some sheet music in his hand but here's the twist he's got a goatee and a chain around his neck and it has a medallion on it that's a dollar sign. It's a silver medallion. And he's got, here's the kicker. Well, here's the lead up to the kicker. He's got uh, a bandana tied to his head. But okay. like the, the loose parts are kind of in the front. Oh, okay. And then and the text says, to Bach. Oh, oh, I see. It says to Bach. Well, now I understand what the twist is. I yeah. guess. When you said twist at first, I didn't I didn't totally realize what we were twisting away from. Well, I mean that's the thing. That's that's the nature of this challenge. <laughs> Which is not really a challenge. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a, a good I want more. music related meme. Well like what is that try. what's the joke with that meme or what's the message? Well it's I feel like you, you gotta you have to get into it, you know? Right. I see. Intellectualize this for me. I mean we can you know it, this, I mean, what this really is, honestly, is people who like classical music or like people who are like music buffs, people who are like in chamber, you know, yeah. in, in the chamber, not quite. Is that a, oh, like a chamber music, right? Now, what is it? What do they call it? Uh, in school? It's just classical music. I mean, right. People who, orchestra, people who play that people stuff. People who play in the orchestra, yeah. band kids. Elite. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um. Anyway, uh, who are just like, uh, sorry, you don't know Bach, and you listen to the hipping and the hopping. Sure. That's my that's my impression of that. Which is uh, legitimately a genre that draws a lot from classical music within like True. samples and stuff like that. True. I think there's so something me- here. When you said twist, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what are we saying? Like who you would expect to be sitting at a, a piano in i already forgot your description uh because it was there was just too much to well here's the thing it's a it's a it's clearly a photo or a painting of bach yes and then tupac's face no oh it's not 
no, it's just a goatee. <laughs> just a goatee on... and a bandana on Bob. <laughs> That's correct. Oh wow. Yeah. So just That's the real twist. Some of, one of the classic looks of one of hip hop's greatest and put it on to Bach. I see. Right. Which is why I had the more cynical reading of you know. Well, this is a zero sum game here. Only classical music can win. So you said you have another one you want to read too? Oh yeah. So well, here let, we have let's take a oh. moment so people can have okay. time to laugh about of the silence. first one. Oh, okay. <laughs> people can can giggle, giggle themselves at, at home. Or maybe you can Google this. Maybe you can Google this image yeah. at home and we can all look at it together. Yeah, this one is really an artifact and it's it's Homer. From the Odyssey. The Sopranos. No, the Simpsons. I see. That was um, a trick question. There's no no yeah. image of Homer from the Odyssey, I don't think. That's true. He It was just an oral history. Nobody oral. had a camera, and it was, <laughs> it was such a long story. It's a real shame. There were plenty of cameras. Just They, they always forgot them mm. whenever Homer was involved. But, uh, TikTok. So, so here we go. It's Homer, and he's wearing a T-shirt. It's a Guns N' Roses T-shirt. And the texts, and, well, and he's he's looking determined in the kind of middle distance. Uh, actually, he's looking up uh, in a determined fashion, and he's making uh, the the devil horns. But he, of course, he only has four fingers, as do all Simpsons characters. So he only has one finger down and two up, or well, three counting the thumb. And the text says, "No, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like that." But like, it's but he only has one finger in the middle. Oh, I see. So it's and like, uh, I yeah, exactly. This is too and much the to text try to says, visualize. <laughs> and the text says, "Restarting the whole song because you missed your favorite part." Oh yeah, hell yeah. Have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way. Um, I have a lot of. Lately, I get really obsessed with specific songs. Um, mm. Let's see. For a long time, it was "Can't Hardly Wait" by The Replacements. Um, oh yeah, I've been very obsessed with that. I have uh, a fantasy where I'm singing it during karaoke mm-hmm. and doing it in a kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm making, uh, I'm wearing a suit and I'm doing sort of like a Sinatra esque portrayal of the song. Right. The real shame right. though is that it's not on anybody's karaoke uh, list, you know, because right. they're all in like these big data banks of like the songs you can buy that don't have the uh the lyrics in them right and you really can't find it anywhere yeah well i mean i i if i can intrude on your fantasy i kind of imagine that you know you're you're dressed like sinatra you're singing uh the song and then you know when the horns kick in the mighty mighty boss stones burst out from the kitchen with their horns uh this is that's my addition to your fantasy you're welcome (laughs) yeah just for the horn section (laughs) yeah great there's a lot of songs like that though where I feel like uh like especially that one because there's so many dropaways like where you just stop singing and everything comes to like a full stop and then you hear just the horn go back in so uh, yeah. yeah it's yeah, really you gotta good. just keep rewinding that part do you have what's your song like that <sighs> hmm I feel like I was listening to oh well I was just l- listening to that song today of uh from that podcast that i was telling you about the mm. one where it was like what is this mystery song because i got this, you know part of the whole podcast is that, like this guy is like 
desperate to figure to, to find the song because yeah. everyone thinks like everyone can't figure out what it is and like it's like that thing where it's like you have an earworm but like what you have to do is listen to the song to like cure it but you can't listen to the song yeah um and so i, I got like a secondhand catharsis from hearing the song so i listened to it a bunch of times <laughs> yeah well and then I, I sent you that video of the joe Pera thing where he's listening oh to yeah Bob oh Riley. yeah and a whole that's sketch a great is song. just him calling into different radio stations to just get different stations to play it over and over and over. That and was he's a funny freaking out at home. That was a great video because it wasn't like it was just kind of nice. Like it wasn't like I don't know. It wasn't hysterically funny to me. It was just like that's cool. Like I would I want to do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny that like the very first guy, the first DJ calls is just like you could just look it up online, and he's like. Right. Still just goes through the whole... I think that's this whole shtick. I don't know. It's great. Yeah. I know that that's feeling. Awesome. Just listening to Bob O'Reilly. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Mm-hmm. Just jump around my apartment. Yeah. Try to yeah jump on the furniture. You know, Throw your ice cream down the drain. Some of the theories I have about songs like that, like Metallica's uh, Battery, that opening segment where it's acoustic guitar, you know, it's like... Oh, yeah. It's very nice. And then the other guitar comes in harmonizing way up above. And then there's right. like pounding drums. It's like, bow, bow, bow. like that <laughs> intro part is so good. And yeah. The rest of the song is also very great. Like the riff is like crazy fast. It's very fun. But you can right. just keep going back to that first part and just build and build and build. It's yeah. like riding a, the roller coaster, you know, for the first time. Right. Dang. I'm trying to think of what's what an example of a song like that is for me. I can't really think uh, of a Guns N' Roses song that's like that. So it's a shame that Homer Simpson yeah, didn't have on uh, the Who shirt or something. Uh, Taking me down to the... <laughs> no. Not that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, won't you please? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only song of theirs I'm really familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I mean, <laughs> I feel like... I don't know if I got exactly what I wanted out of those memes, but they were good. They're pretty good. I, I like the. <laughs> I also was looking at another one that I feel like it's just not that funny if I read it, but it's just like it's Anthony Kiedis. I don't know if you can see this, and it says, "How much does a chili pepper weigh?" Or no, or how heavy are they? How heavy is a chili pepper? How and it's like know, give it away. How do you know how heavy it? I don't. Maybe I should read it since you're holding okay. it up to me. Okay. How do you know how heavy a chili pepper is? <laughs> Give it away, give it away, give it away now. <laughs> and it's a picture of Anthony Kiedis. And he seems to be trying to contain oh, no. a giggle tantrum. That's true. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's very pleased with himself uh, at this. Yeah. Like he, like, he just thought of a pun. Yeah, he just thought of a pun that came from his own lyrics. Yeah. 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 It's all very good. Yeah, this is, I think this is a very, <laughs> it's been a, a very successful segment. I think so too. Dramatic reading of a meme. Yeah. Yes. I'm excited to do this every week. That means Dramatic. every week I get to come up with the, the facts, the headlines, and you get to come up with the memes. Oh, wow. We're this just pouring all sorts of content into the, I, into the show. Everyone's least favorite segment where I describe I visually dis- or like I, well, I think my it's word a good a it's meme. a good segment it's very <laughs> okay. good okay good people have all this time to just sit and visualize close your eyes let Max right, do yeah, the work we spend so you. much time like staring at screens and like 
mm-hmm. you know Here's, for uh, once like, you don't have to look at a meme max will just tell you what it is that's that's correct and then yeah and i'll give you my interpret you know yeah i, I really like to focus next time i want to this is my pledge that i will focus more and hone in on my interpretation of the memes and really break down i think that's where try- it, that's where it's at yeah try to make sure that once you if you ever happen to run across this meme again after i've talked about it you will not find it funny because i will have dissected it <laughs> we'll have just uh <laughs> yeah constant search to ruin memes you you'll look at it and you will think the phrase that is funny yeah uh you know <laughs> yeah all right that is amusing i love it <laughs> all right and all right guys whatever comes after this in the show um this is the segue and go God, there was no so drum good fill to be that back. time, but we're back. Oh, sh- that was Sorry. a good, yeah, nice and quick. Uh, <laughs> so, what are we going to talk about today, Max? I just thought it'd be. I just thought it was funny that uh, think imagining um, a, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. We both play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Let it be known. Um, sidebar. Yeah, we play Dungeons and Dragons from time to time, and. You, you, your first character <laughs> that died um, was a bard in the vein of Nick Cave. And so ever since then, I think it's just been kind of, was that right? Am I correct? Nope. That was completely was wrong. Character? My first character that died because of your character was a rogue. <laughs> oh, shit. And That's then right. I had to make a bard. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, the, it, it was true to the spirit of the, of yeah, it's very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, the R. point R. being, you, you, <laughs> R.I.P. What was your character's name again? Thrasos. Thrasos, that's right. Wow, can't even remember his name. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I'm canceled. Uh, but uh, anyway, I just really enjoyed the image of a Dungeons and Dragons campaign featuring Nick Cave, the bard. Yeah, reverse the role, and you know what is Nick Cave a bard? Well, isn't that what you, or you, you, what you had said was like, it was, they're, they're like a bard like Nick Cave. So no, I wouldn't yeah. say necessarily that he, maybe he's something else, but that actually, that's what I had been imagining originally when I came up with this prompt. And then as I started to think about it, I was like, wait a second, aren't all musicians, couldn't they all be bards? You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, oh, wait. Well, no, for sure. And that's the idea I had. Yeah. I wanted, if you're not familiar in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, there's these different roles or classes that you get to pick archetypes um, yeah. yeah and it, it sort of decides not necessarily personality but just uh the way you interact with the world in a lot of ways like you have different abilities or skills you have different uh outlooks and values and i think that's something true uh especially everywhere you know it's it's a lot of what we participate in collectively that's known as genre and mm-hmm. so my idea was to have a a bard while it, the stereotype would be for a bard to be like inspirational singing songs of like glory and hope and stuff like that is to have a bard who would be singing like some really dismal bleak stuff or even just like esoteric and uh uh so that was fun and we got to we got to do that but yeah i think we're saying now is like here's a cool test we can give each other and just like reverse that role you know 
my bard is going to be like Nick Cave, but uh, let's say if Nick Cave played D and D, what right? Yeah, what is he choosing? You know, it, was that one of yours that you, that you chose actually? Was that one of mine? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I really want to know. Yours too. No, it's not. It's not. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean so i don't know do you want to just get started get right in there is there anything else we need to do to explain to anyone who hasn't played D? &D? that's a good point yeah i think i mean so i mean generally the skinny on D, &D, it's been around since like the eight seventy, like late 70s early 80s i think we're gonna we're gonna use shorthand which is D, &D, and that stands for dungeons and dragons right um dungeons and dragons uh a very well-known tabletop role-playing game uh where you roll dice you tell a story with your friends usually uh or ordinarily in person around the table but now you know many people are playing these kinds of games virtually but people have been playing it for decades this one in particular and it spawned a whole bunch of video game mechanics it spawned a whole it's you know it's uh, a heavy hitter in the world of gaming yeah in the world and, of fantasy yeah. and everything like that you know like right. you wouldn't Medi have game of medieval Thrones. fantasy we wouldn't have the Lord of the Rings movies probably without uh, Dungeons totally. and Dragons or games like this. Totally. Uh, and there's a huge resurgence in people playing it, like uh, mm -hmm. our age and younger, which is very strange and wild to think about. Uh, right. For a long time, it was super nerdy and like you know embarrassing. Borderline. At least when I was started early on, it was like not a cool thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of I think being a, a nerd, quote unquote, is being becoming cooler and cooler. Which might have something might kind of dovetail with that conversation about genre and subgenre, but yeah, well, it's um, a cool game to use to talk about classifications and tell stories and stuff like that, and just to interact with your right. friends and kill goblins and drink ale. Right, mostly that. Mostly drink um, but ale. Yeah, I think so. Just generally, we're going to be talking about like, especially what kind of archetype, what kind of class is what it's called in in D and D. Mm -hmm. um, these different musicians would be, and there's another another creating a character which is deciding what their alignment is um which is it's kind of actually filtered out from that's one of the things that's filtered out from dungeons and dragons into the kind of popular culture um really powerfully that people kind of understand like people use phrases like chaotic good yeah. or um you know lawful evil or, or this kind of stuff and in, in, in like i see it in memes a lot um, so people kind of generally know what that means but that's that's another thing that's i think originally from Dungeons and Dragons and it's kind of how, what your character's outlook is like what their moral compass is so we're going to talk about I mean the kind of things that I was thinking that I had in mind anyway we didn't discuss this too much but like what's their class what's this musician's class if they were a Dungeons and Dragons character what's their alignment and then if they have any like kind of key abilities that I think highlight something about the musician or, or something like that right yeah um, yeah that sound good? like what, what did you what were you imagining I'm kind of curious actually because we didn't really talk about it yeah, we didn't really in detail I, yeah, yeah I mean <laughs> I think I was imagining sort of the same thing, more of like if we sat someone down at a table, like if we sat oh, uh, Neil yeah. Young down at a table, what would Neil Young choose? But I think we can do this both ways. You know, we can just kind of right. cross-reference everything. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I think, yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> just I'm just imagining. Build like... off of one another's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, why don't you get started and we'll. Okay. All right. So let me, let me tell you. <laughs> okay. So, uh. Uh, I've just been thinking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers a lot this past week for whatever reason. It just happens periodically to me because mm -hmm. it's one of those early formative bands for me. But uh, so I was imagining. You never talk um, about it. Never. No, it's true. Uh, I'm always thinking about it. But I was imagining that the bassist Flea 
Yeah. Um, were he, so this is, again, this is my interpretation of the concept where he, instead of having been born a person in on earth in our world, had he been, had, or he had a character in the Dungeons and Dragons, some that reality like that, he would be a monk. Okay. Um, it, it works aesthetically because he's got a shaved bald head. He's like wiry and like muscly, um, not super tall, but like I can just see him being like barefoot. Yeah. And like, you know, wearing kind of loose fitting uh, pants only because like, of course, he never wears a shirt either. So like, which is another monk like attribute, I would say. And he's, he, yeah, he'd be really good with sure. martial arts, of course. Yeah. But here's the other thing is that his special ability. Oh, and for another thing, there's a, a, a song by the Chili Peppers called Funky Monks. So that's like, you know, uh, synchronicity. Yeah. It all comes together, and his special ability is that he would be able to animate his tattoos. Oh wow! Um, he, because you know, they're the band is famously tattooed, unlike any other rock band uh, ever. Of course, <laughs> uh, they alone have tattoos. But um, <laughs> no, it's just, it, but it's definitely, admittedly, it's a big part of their whole thing. I can't believe the this, fact that they have tattoos. You're gonna lose them millions of dollars in revenue when people <laughs> finally realize that they they have tattoos and stop buying their I records. Know it's, yeah pretty offensive yeah but uh but yeah he has like maybe like a tiger tattoo or something like that that leaps off and animates off of his body and he and it like attacks his enemies that's cool yeah Um, i mean i think i uh i think that definitely works out and i think also that it's all kind of part of like that's what he would choose to play you know i think it lines up absolutely but my understanding of that would be too because he has that persona of like this sort of humble devotion Mm. Yes. Kind of like uh, very antisocial. Seems like his eyes are like he sort of gets. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy who gets just like fascinated with some greater power type thing, right? You know, right? Rather than sweat the, the smaller details. Uh, yeah, I think it totally fits with uh, that aesthetic. Boom. Do you want to try this? Should we work this backwards then? See How do you mean? Like, so I'll say, I'll give you my example, and then you try to fill in the gaps to bridge it into, like, what that character is like in the D&D oh, world. I you see. know, like, I'll say, okay, yeah. so, like, I, I wanted to say Nick Cave, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. so I, I had a character that I based on a Nick Cave persona, but I think Nick Cave, if he was in a D&D game, if he was sitting at the table playing with us, I think he'd go the route of, like, uh a wizard of some kind um, mm. but not like um you know we're not thinking gandalf here we're not thinking anybody in the harry potter uh franchise uh except for maybe <laughs> like a snape type guy a little darker right. than snape even where he's like using a lot of his time and energy to focus on uh these like dark projects you know mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. secretive very like nuanced magic and intentions stuff like that maybe you don't totally trust him like he's the guy right he's the wizard that you meet at the top of a tower who offers Mm -hmm. you like some sort of other information or plane of reality on your quest that changes everything you know right and you don't know if you can trust him or not right right no i think i think that's that, that makes sense to me and i think but here my question for that i was asking myself when i was trying to imagine like what uh, musicians would be magic users is like okay well what would make one musician like nick cave a wizard as opposed to a sorcerer which in D is it is different right like a wizard is like 
book learning and a mm-hmm. sorcerer is like inborn yeah you capacity like for magic born with this raw power that you then try to shape whereas like a wizard a wizard right. is, is trying to learn from teachings and from like uh from other people i guess really and from reading right books. there's something more like like a scientist in a lab somehow to me about like a wizard where it's like an eno or something like that yeah i think i guess like from the the sorcerer is kind of like uh, Spider-Man when he first gets his powers. You know, he has no right. idea what he's doing. He's like swinging yeah. around on ropes and just like crashing into buildings and shit like that. Having right, weird kinda out of spider web wet dreams. And, and like, right. yeah, you, like, you have all this power and you know that, but you don't know where like the boundary is maybe. Right. So I guess so that's he what like... I think. It's, it's more like a, a personality that's calculating or cunning in some way versus one that's yeah. like a little bit maybe naive. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. And do you, do you think like true neutral uh, for Nick Cave? No, I think like lawful neutral. Lawful neutral. Interesting. Wow. And I forgot to mention flea. Chaotic good, obviously. Yeah, that makes total kind sense. Kind of goes without saying, but That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. I got another one here lined up. Let me just... Uh, okay. Oh, uh, so were Bjork a... Dungeons and Dragons character, if she lived in, you know, uh, Middle Earth or something like that, she'd yeah. be a druid. Yeah. This is very clear to me. Okay. Um, you know, like I was just recently listening to uh, Utopia, and that album is like, it's like techie. Like a lot of her, like especially increasing her music has gotten more like, I mean, it's always been kind of vaguely electronic uh, ever since the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. but there's also like her voice is so raw and like out of control. And like, I mean, she's another chaotic character for sure. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's like it's oh, my God, my phone. Why? <laughs> I think it was this is the exact same point in time in the last episode that your phone rang. I'm back. Um but like, so it sounds a little bit techy, but I think what it is, it's like the, it's like bio, biological. What you're hearing is like, you know, her druidic powers at, at, that are biological at the molecular level. Like you're hearing like, you know, like blood rushing and like uh, atoms being destroyed and like that kind of stuff. Like she's like a cosmic druid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Chaotic. I feel like just true chaos. Very chaotic. Yeah. And I think as a like she would definitely create a character like that as a player because there's all these things like like changing your shape that's what druids are known for is the ability to like morph and totally back uh which is something that you can just hear in her music uh so much yeah i think she would definitely be a druid like the connection to to nature and things like that being able to like manipulate the physical world in that way very, and just like very sen- Bjorkian, like, like sensory overload and just like yeah. enjoyment of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, what do you get? Uh, the other one I was thinking about was, you know, obviously all the, the all of the musicians could be a bard. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes. Like Clearly. because they're all musicians, and because the bard right. is the character. Uh, the class that you pick in Dungeons and Dragons where you're a musician who uses their musical power and ability to uh, inspire others or, uh, or at least a performer, call right? magic forth, you know? Yeah, so everyone's a yeah. performer. I think in the truest sense, 
uh, if we alter that, you know, uh, Bob Dylan is probably mm-hmm. the most likely to want to be that guy, you know? Right. So I think he has been that guy and he's like true to like the very, um, like, uh, weird Dungeons and Dragons tropes of like a bard who's like your literal goal is to have a good story to sing, to be remembered right. for like singing these great songs. Uh, right. Who better to be the guy to do that than the one who just wrote like a 17 minute long song about the JFK assassination? Like, right. I don't know. If, is there anyone else interested in the world or in the greater purview in doing something like that? Like, it's such a weighty thing to try to accomplish, to want to accomplish. I mean, I feel like a lot of like, I think a lot of people with an overblown sense of their own importance would probably choose that. You know what I mean? Or like, that's that kind of essence of like. Like, cause like that's kind of the stereotype of the bard too is like annoying, yeah. you know, or like obnoxious. You that's, know? Like, yeah, so. that's true too. <laughs> so I think I, I feel like yeah, but I think he's also got like a little air of mystery. You know, he keeps oh absolutely. He's got like a gambit up his sleeve at every step of the way. You know, he's always kind of totally. like winking at you, but with like a very serious uh, face the whole time. See, and like one that I didn't think too deeply about, but that I wrote down was. That I think Woody Guthrie, you know, the Bob Dylan's primary inspiration. Yeah. I think he might have been a ranger. Oh wow. Because he was a hobo. You know, or like a traveling, you know what I mean? Like like a traveling musician. You're like like a, in the depression past of society, living off the like, land. Like, carrying his guitar around that says, you know, I kill fascists. Like, I'm sorry, that's not a bard. Yeah. That's very, well. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's I think that's a ranger at that point. I think he's going across the land and he, he knows the ways you know what i mean he knows the trails the paths yeah. this land is your land is my land is my land sure yeah um but that's not one that i thought too deeply about but but yeah i mean that's that's it is interesting like I, I mean i think yeah bob dylan's the guy who's getting who's being considered literary right yeah um so that that does make sense and like he's kind of considered like a poet Sure. Uh, more than more than some others oh what about what about jim morrison the bard dude how about yeah, that one that's <laughs> Maybe another... more like obnoxious one. right yeah i mean i don't know i think I mean, jim he's morrison, the, druid. the druid maybe he's like a they're like a sorcerer no he's he's the classic sorcerer that's what he is yeah i think that's probably true impulsive uh you know yeah there's a lot of raw Definitely. power in there yeah yeah, many sorcerers uh, meet their untimely end. I think. Yeah. Do you I have? I would, I would wager. Do you have another I have one, one more. that you've? Okay, I got one more yeah. too. So. Okay. 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 You. Uh, wait. You is it my turn now? Yeah, I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, so this one I'm actually pretty proud of, uh, which is that uh, Drake. Cool. If Drake were a uh, a Dungeons and Dragons character, he would clearly be a paladin. Yeah. Okay very clearly um he's righteous mm-hmm. uh he's also self-righteous um but yeah he would definitely be like a a christian paladin um and he has a he wields a, a mighty blade named uh god's plan <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he wears you know like like silver and gold and white armor you know what i mean like i can just i can see it so clearly in my mind's eye like yeah uh yeah, like he has a song called Redemption. Yeah, you know well, what I mean, like I think the probably the fan content out there exists of him in that armor somewhere. Someone someone has it, that painted, or, right? 
and his position is always kind of like yeah like the the kind of romantic tragic figure yeah you know what definitely I mean? well and then you know what what is the background of a paladin from uh the D D player's handbook like it's someone right. who's taken upon themselves uh to follow an oath uh right usually that's been uh, decreed by a god or they've sworn their allegiance to a god to you know fight for the good in their name uh or something like that but it does come on with this air of self-righteousness and this sort of like um like overwhelming overbearing sense of like i'm right i'm responsible for this mm-hmm. uh you know it kind of like blurs the line between what are you like what are you doing the good for like is it for you is it for something else um yeah. right he's just a crusader he's just he's a freaking a crusader you know what I mean? Like, Not yeah, blinded. About, doesn't matter what consequences come from his actions, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Drake uh, yes. would play a paladin. Yes. <laughs> Is this, should we have made this a game to see? I think it's I pretty guess, cool. I don't know what we would have, uh, I don't know what I we would have, to... like, cross-referenced this with, but we just made it a game to see if we were right. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out dndcelebrities.com right or maybe we can like start like a poll where like other people vote on it or something or like yeah maybe over many listeners that'd be cool yeah yeah we'll get a lot of data that way yeah hell yeah scrape that data hmm. we get 10 people to listen and participate we got percentages that's a whole that's easy a math. dollar probably easy math to do yeah yeah <laughs> all right well i got my last okay. one um what do you got? my last one and- oh oh sorry, sorry sorry drake drake is lawful good oh yeah okay oh super annoying yeah what would he's, it- he's always been like no you can't do that dude you, I, if you do that i will leave the party what would bob dylan be oh hmm maybe true neutral in that case you know because he's just like the only he's only in it for the story yeah he's just in it <laughs> trying to cut his chops yeah trying to get another record man try to get more of the truth yeah i think you're right he's the journalist basically yeah. all right so my last one is uh kurt cobain mm-hmm. i thought of him as someone who you know he's very poetically minded he's mm-hmm. making a lot of symbolic choices his actions i think if he would have sat down at a at a table to play he's gonna be a warlock whoa and he's gonna have made like a pact with uh some other being some other right. some, like demon or uh dark entity of some some, some kind to like, give him a, a power beyond his own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they can then like bring forth into the real world i think he'd be attracted to that because it's uh he seems to have all of these weird issues with like identity and responsibility. And I think that's a fun way to like play those out in a character too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he also has like obvious, like a very dark side to him. Right. Yeah. So no, yeah, I like that a lot. I think he always seems like kind of like vaguely possessed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of like limp a little bit. Sure. Too, which is, which is kind of part of his whole, I mean the whole slouchy, aesthetic as well but also just part of his personality mm-hmm. but also makes sense like yeah he's like a vessel yeah for like something else you know what i mean and i would say yeah that works he's chaotic neutral mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the other thing i was going to try to pin on him we, we like these chaotic musicians don't we 
Uh, I, was, I was thinking the most fun. What, what would what would an evil musician be like i was thinking like Corey feldman mm. like maybe chaotic evil with, the, with that wild album that he came out with or like uh yeah, gg allen or something chaotic evil paladin yeah <laughs> yeah a, no maybe maybe he's just a lich you know who's all right here's uh lawful evil <laughs> ranger yeah ted nugent yeah oh a, you're right dude huge asshole <laughs> He's like one of the villains you get a face early on. Oh my god! Oh, Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Uh, Barbarian. 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 Wow. Huh. He rages. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or or just a fighter maybe. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> you know who? Okay, here's um. Lawful good. Uh, monk. Kinda mm. with flea. Kinda with flea. Uh, Kirk Hammett. Oh but yeah. He's like he's like a beach, uh, hippie monk. You know. Oh, well, I for, I forgot to mention that Flea as a Dungeons and Dragons character monk definitely surfs. So. Oh yeah. Well. That that adds up. But I just mean Kirk is just he's the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, super zen. Yeah. But has like, that kind of monk uses all of the the time and uh, energy to just be like the biggest fucking treader in the world Mm -hmm. as would a monk as would a monk um nice do we have any more to go through i mean i guess we could just do this yeah i think it's just like a kind of just to keep our brain limber just you know like like is would would courtney love be a barbarian maybe you know um i think i think Mm. if i had to think of a fighter maybe pj harvey pj harvey is a fighter huh can't you just see that she's just like so like gnarly yeah well i think fighter for me i would think henry henry rollins okay but see i I picture like pj harvey like xena yeah you know what i mean the warrior princess kind (laughs) of i don't know okay i don't know how to link that i don't know how to (laughs) tie pj harvey uh, and xena warrior princess together both really beautiful ladies with dark hair okay uh okay what about (laughs) the the lead singer from corn also barbarian okay i think you're just everybody whose hair you don't like becomes a barbarian (laughs) (laughs) he also wears a kill my guy all right yeah i guess that's true who would be uh who would be a cleric Mm, i was thinking about this maybe bob marley oh yeah okay you know, like yeah, yeah like some someone who heals. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, um, yeah, stir it up. Damn. Okay, who would be? Uh, what what classes have we, have we not gotten to? Yeah, haven't done. Hmm. I think we've gone through most of them. Well, we haven't done a rogue. Yeah, who would be a good rogue? <sighs> Man, someone who like steals other people's songs. <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, I think like uh, Robin Thicke. <laughs> Damn. All right. That's pretty good. No, yeah. What were you saying? Uh, I have no idea, honestly. I was trying to think yeah, of a musician could... who would want to play a rogue, you know? Mm. Yeah, um, see, I'm still in this other mindset. I'm yeah. like, just well, trying to find like clever things to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, who would want to play a rogue? I feel like it'd be someone counterintuitive. It would be like you two, or like it would be like Bono. I mean, damn, 
Yeah. Bono's, <laughs> Bono's pretty self-righteous. I think he'd probably be more in the paladin camp. Yeah. Than anything else? But, that's like if they if they want to play the type though. That's the thing. That's true. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, yeah, who's just dastardly? <laughs> All right. Well, we can move a on. Lot of, <laughs> a lot of people are dastardly. I think. Yeah. yeah maybe we'll come back to this at another point. And just wing some I off, hope we do. you know. Yeah, so I feel like I'm gonna. Th- I'm gonna like as soon as we stop recording this, I'm gonna think of all of the good ideas. Well, that's a good point, Max. And then on top of that point, I'd like to talk about genre. Yeah, so that was a, see, that was a good seg- segue. Seamless, you got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about like on top of the the fun, you know, like the D and D conversation, which I think is like a useful way to try to categorize stuff um especially the artists that we like you know and why we like them or what we think of them beyond their music i think that's something we as a society have been doing for forever like trying to sort of create this uh system to categorize things because it helps us identify with other things it helps us identify with other people helps us to continue to tell uh stories that make these things so important uh and So what I want to talk about with genre is sort of how it's come from thousands of years ago um, to define the way we relate to things and how that's influenced uh, the music industry, how that influences our culture, how uh, our relationship to music is influenced by that. Um, And I just wrote down some like very minor bullet points of like uh, genre was originally created by Plato. Um, who divided literature into three categories of poetry, drama, prose. Um, fast forward a lot of years, and we have coded words for music. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they called, uh, before it was R&B, it was called race music on the Billboard charts. Um, mm-hmm. That was in the 40s of, like, jazz and beat, um, especially, like, african-american black communities if it was, they were playing music it was considered race music and then it was changed um to r&b to rhythm and blues um mm-hmm. which meant that now white consumers were able to to get into it um you know mm-hmm. like that that wall had both been lifted and done away with um and that was both it was good and bad you know mm-hmm. it was it meant that like people had access to this music in a cultural sense in a way they hadn't before, you know, they were allowed to listen to it, but at the same time it meant that uh, this music was now being exploit exploited and uh, taken, you know, uh, from those communities where it originated in a lot of ways, which is detrimental. And as we've seen now, I mean, like a lot of people think of like, you know, what's the earliest rock band and the people that, that think of that are, are talking about like the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. And it's just not true. It's like, um, mm-hmm. I think even those guys would tell you that they heard little Richard on the radio or they heard like these records coming from America and that's what inspired them to do their thing. And it's so weird that the attribution gets distorted because of words like rock and roll, you know, and mm-hmm. rhythm and blues and, uh, things like that, that make our understanding a little stranger, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, yeah, like going, back to uh thinking about the origins of things like genre is really important but also on a on a more fundamental level um a cultural theorist who i've kind of like who's who i've read who's 
uh, been kind of important to the development of cultural studies. Uh, a British uh, academic named Stuart Hall talked about how, um, I mean, and this is, this is kind of generally known, but this is kind of where I heard it first from that generally culture is um, a way of categorizing the world, right? It's a way of assigning, it's how we assign meaning yeah. to things. And that that's, that's how humans make, make sense of the world. We have to do that to some extent, but also very frequently um, uh, the way that those categories are um, the way like the, the prime, the, what is often in, in cultural studies called hegemonic, right? Like the, the predominant um, definition of something, the predominant categorization of something is very often serving the people in power. Right. Exactly. Or maintaining a certain kind of relationship of power. And so I think that goes back to what you were saying, right? Like that um, the usually it's always, it, but it, and yet it's always contested because the reality is always more complex than that. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and that's just a human thing is like our human, you know, we can't just think all the time, every single day, every mode of every day, how like unknowably complex our world is, right? We would just lose it um, in a similar way that like, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't able to search for songs along certain kinds of lines or like music along certain kinds of lines or like follow a kind of historical trajectory of certain lineages of music, then, you know, it'd be impossible to orient yourself. Right. But that's, but that's how we think. That's how we write sure. our histories is in terms of like what musician led to this style or what region led to this kind of approach to, to writing lyrics or um, that kind of thing, you know, but, and so like the origins of these categories always have, are always based in reality but by necessity it's a distortion it's like you know um uh, an abstraction of reality to think about things in categories because the reality is that everything always shatters those categories so like robert johnson a very you know well-known blues musician who was like uh, recorded i think primarily in like the 30s by folklorists and was kind of part of this big wave in the 20s and 30s of white anthropologists and people going to the south to record african-american musicians playing the blues the reality was that robert johnson played all different kinds of music he played everything that was on the radio all kinds of pop music but what they wanted to hear was the blues and so now he he's a blues musician yeah he's not just a musician right um so the reality is always kind of more complex and that's just a fact of life but also when it's combined with how um you know african-american musicians in the south are living in the on the actual land that is like the the inheritance of slavery you know what i mean and still living in social dynamics that are were formed by that um yeah. and and you know so even though uh in many ways you know th things have uh changed in terms of like legal segregation or whatever segregation persists in terms of how we think about what what music should sound like based on what a person looks like, for example. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's, I always think about how it's based in reality, but it's a distortion, but you can kind of still trace back to, to where that comes from. Like um, part of the legacy of racial segregation and music is what was called the Chitlin circuit. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, like segregated venues where black musicians could perform mm -hmm. um, under those conditions. And it would still be people like James Brown or whoever who would be traveling the whole country playing in all different black communities with each of their own different regional styles. Um, and, you know, 
music that is made by African-American people in those communities in New Orleans sounded really different from music that was being made in Texas. And the most successful musicians on, the, on that circuit were ones that were able to synthesize all these different specific regional styles into something that now we would think of as black music, right? But is actually a distillation made by really savvy and, and talented people to appeal to a super broad audience because if they don't appeal to everybody, then they don't eat, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I, that's uh, sort of all of the technology that grew along with genre, like radio, you know, at, at that point, um, there was a necessity for different radio programs to play different types of music. And so there had to be a way to talk about it. You know, I think that's where all of it sort of starts to get so confusing is that how do you talk about music? You know, you mm -hmm. can't obviously introduce every song with, well, the drum line goes like this, the bass line goes like this, the lyrics are this, you know, you, you just want right. to convey a feeling and use that abstract category word to tell someone what they're going to listen to or what they're going to hear. Um, I think the problem comes from uh, not understanding contextually what these words mean, you know, because mm -hmm. they are blanket terms that are uh, intended to apply to all of these different things, culture, time, uh, history, you know, names, dates, thoughts, feelings, uh, shows, events. Like it, it's a, a, bi a big term that, is supposed to do the work of all of those other ideas and mm -hmm. when you use a blanket term like that i think it can start to become this like code word that unless it's been decoded is going to be used wrong at some point and it's going to be used in a way that is um, detrimental to the people mm -hmm. that it affects Mm -hmm. oh, that is yeah i mean it, it's it's so interesting i mean the whole like I, i'm interested by the use of the word wrong right because like i mean to some extent the point is like you know history is written by the by the victor right or yeah. like you know which, which is like i mean we can uh i think we should resist that to some extent or in certain ways right but like you know i mean things like uh hip-hop is you know depending on who you ask or if you look back to the history of the origin of that cultural practice and that music and all that stuff is like, it doesn't just describe music. It's like, you know, art and dance and it's a whole lifestyle practically, or it was at some point when it had its indigenous origin in certain neighborhoods of New York, you know what I mean? Of, of the boroughs, you know? Um, but then like, and rapping was like one part of that, but now we talk about rap music, but now it's used interchangeably with hip hop and we yeah. understand what we mean. So it's like, does something, I don't know. It's like, there's always kind of value assigned to that kind of stuff. And it's like you're saying, it's going to be misused um, because very often we don't know, or like it's not that it's misused, but often misapplied or like we don't understand the full depth of the, of the importance of those different terms, because usually what they mean is like an actual historical, it's a story about like why something is called that. Like why people decided that jazz at a certain point had to be called bebop because yeah. like they were just so edgy. You know, or like what you know whatever it's like like mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's a it's a narrative about like how people's attitudes how people resist like the music that was made before and say like actually this is a new thing that we're doing now and like often it's just declared it might not even be that true you know like you'll be like like actually that music sounds pretty similar to what was coming before it you should you decided it needed a new, na a new name you know yeah and it, so it's like we're using these arbitrary terms to uh understand these things and gaining sometimes less understanding of them Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But a lot of the way that these things are shaped is by newfound technologies uh, 
that are helping consumers to find the products that they want, right? So you see like um, changes in the industry uh, in terms of the way things are branded. You know, the first, uh, before there was any outlaw country, there was a compilation of like Willie Nelson and others that it just was called Wanted Outlaws. Uh, So Mm. they became outlaw country stars because of the way they had chosen to be branded either by like record executives or by their marketing managers or you know whatever uh, so that became right. its own genre suddenly just thrust into mm-hmm. the world by an advertising agency right and you see the same uh, same thing with like new wave uh like i think that was sire records came out with new wave as a, a term that would sell punk to white consumers who were sort of uh offended by the violence that mm. seemed to be uh, part of what it, the punk music was in the first wave, I guess. Uh, but right. New Wave sold like crazy. Yeah. It became like radio hits. And because of like uh, the amount of radio stations that had popped up, uh, the, the amount of record stores, the amount of CDs and cassettes that were now available for purchase by consumers, this became mm-hmm. like what the music industry was, you know, 20 years ago when it was this right. monolithic thing that kept just producing. Um, flatlined content uh, it had to be in a certain category it had to be of uh, a certain length to get radio play and we saw this lack of diversity start to develop we saw like what was like in real time like uh, the gentrification of music culture in general uh and so i think like it's important to understand how much of what we think of as music and musical terms is has been determined by technology and by like consumerist ideas of how to market things and how to advertise things, you know, like I think Neo soul was applied to Mm -hmm. different artists like uh, Erica Badu and like, because it was a way to sell her music, which was, you know, uh, pretty innovative and original uh, and definitely drew on soul. Um, But it was a way to sell it that didn't link it to like hip hop, you know, and didn't link it to, to things that, would have alienated a consumer base that they didn't want to alienate. Uh, right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think this kind of also brings up something we haven't said explicitly yet, which is, I mean, for a long time, the distinction between pop music and other kinds of music was more meaningful, right? That like, like say in the fifties, you know what I mean? Like there was pop music, which was like, you know, how much for that doggy in the window yeah. or like, you know, like a different, like whatever, like kind of like weird white bread, mm-hmm. wonder bread kind of stuff. Um, that was like what everyone had to sing around the, you know, around their piano or whatever in their suburban home. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the fantasy was, but, um, but the reality was there's like weird rockabilly happening or whatever, but you know, uh, increasingly pop music. I think it still is this kind of, it's, it's, it's on the one hand become like a style of music sort of, or it's like it's its own genre to some extent. Yeah. Um, but also the proliferation of subgenres and like the fact of like the opening up of like infinite niche markets. If like if, if you have a really specific sound that you have, you know, there's probably a name for that at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, but most of those people aren't pop musicians to the extent that like they have a mass audience and they're making, you know, millions and millions of dollars because they just don't have that big of an audience. Um but there is something about this, you know, these subcultures, like we were talking about from the beginning, are, you know, tend to be 
at, le at least their origin is from people who feel opposed to what's going on in the mainstream, either because they're they're being exploited or they, they don't fit in or, you know what I mean? And I think this is, tends to be the kind of music that we can connect with instinctively and that we identify with personally. Um, but it's it's really, it's kind of thorny to kind of orient yourself around that when, especially when, you know, a lot of the appeal for us, for a lot of the, I think the music and the culture that we like is some sense of like earnestness or like some kind of sincerity in its, in, in like trying to um, oppose what's going on in the world that we don't agree with. You know what I mean? And yet yeah. that question of authenticity is just so muddied by the fact that music is a, is an industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that like, you know, things that have these origins in, um communities where yeah like like we were saying that might be disadvantaged in one way or another that might be facing more, more challenging circumstances and that these different cultural practices emerge from that it doesn't take long and it takes it seems like a shorter and shorter amount of time for those to be snapped up like you know I, when i think about what are the really meaningful regional differences in terms of pop music right now like the thing that comes to mind is is um rap and hip-hop that there's like really clear that are coming out from places like or Atlanta or you know, there's like these really kind of distinct styles that people are kind of generally aware of actually. Um, but like Drake or whoever, like these, re these real bonafide pop musicians are doing a synthesis of all this stuff and like plucking musicians and, and people to write these songs that are, that are doing really original stuff and then turning it into something that's uh, mass marketable that, maybe good like i i personally enjoy plenty of drake's music you know what i mean but i can also see that there's something happening there that is industrial you know that is that kind of takes some of the humanity and the authenticity some of the, the spark the stuff that i really look for um and dilutes it just and you know just sometimes in a way that i like sometimes in a way i don't but in a larger way you know um it's kind of a disturbing phenomena yeah i mean and so we jump forward to today and technology has changed once again and we have uh, a plethora of streaming services and sites and providers of music but it's not records com companies anymore it's not uh people who own the music anymore which is what's so disturbing now uh and that keeps a lot of independent musicians from having access to the fray you know there's this weird superstitious belief, I think, with a lot of that stuff that because it's widespread and because it is on the Internet and because those streaming services are so broad that uh, more people have access. And that access might be true, but it doesn't mean you have access as a creator and you don't mm -hmm. have any sort of like benefits from that as a creator. You know, I, there's a million articles that talk about the small, small percentages that people have been paid from Spotify, you know. Someone can right. get like a thousand plays and they can make a dollar or something like that. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just staggeringly uh, ineffective means of making money if you're a musician or, or an artist. And the weird thing about those streaming services now is that technology is sped up to the point where we have artificial intelligence and machine learning informing our choices of genre and cataloging right. our data in these ways that uh, are telling you what to listen to next, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's very strange that we've gotten to the point where we're capable of such things, 
that we can write algorithms that will consider our listening history, uh, will analyze genres that we've liked, uh, will look at like chord progressions and vocal styles and instruments, and then suggest similar songs. Like it's unfathomable to me that that's something that we've created as a species, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it doesn't work the way that it's intended to. It's, it's kind of like everything else on the internet while it seems to pretend to be some other sort of service or brand or uh, entrepreneurial idea, it has ended up just being a big data collection bank uh, mm-hmm. to, for you to be marketed to. You're making choices, right. you know, to like these different brands, uh, like these different artists and products and musicians, and all of that data is then being sent, you know, everywhere so that mm-hmm. other brands know how to market things to you so that we can get information about the latest products that you'll be interested in to you in a more efficient manner. And obviously, you know, maybe some people think that's progress. It's just not something that I'm interested in. Uh, and it's not something that works all the time. You know, everybody has this story of being on uh, Spotify or Pandora and getting a song that comes up that you're like, no, that's definitely not. You know, I was listening to Tears for Fears. I didn't want to hear Boston. I don't know where, right. <laughs> like, why did the algorithm make this jump? It, it doesn't make right. any sense to me. And I don't, I don't know how we make sense of stuff like that, but it, it doesn't seem to track you as well as they seem to think it does. So there's these other parts of it now that are these other factors that we have in giving people understanding of their music that are gatekeepers, like mm-hmm. music critics, um, like people who edit playlists, uh, you know, like Rap Caviar is one of the most popular in the world. And it's famously been pretty inaccessible for independent hip hop artists to get a, a song on there. Uh, and I think they've said before, like they don't have time to listen to the full song. You know, there's not someone sitting there uh, critically evaluating these things in the way that we still have critics evaluating like literature or artwork or theater or film, you know, music has been so condensed into consumerist product that we're just entrusting it to these algorithms and machines to like devalue whatever artwork was put into it to a basis of like ones and zeros drums guitars vocals you know how loud is it is it slow is it fast and then churn that out and tag 15 other artists that sound like it and then that's what you get on the other side and it's so dehumanizing to i think a lot of what has moved forward uh any sort of genre which is independent artists you know they're so left out of the conversation now it's uh very very sad mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah i mean yeah i think there's definitely well the really insidious thing about streaming services is just the way that they operate i mean it's also new to some extent but it's also so uh 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 ubiquitous right it's like it's it's just it's the way that we listen to music now like i don't you know back to just listening to cd like you know it would be it would be really difficult it would be quite a choice at this point yeah i mean i know people who like literally only listen to like tapes and and stuff like that but um the fact that it it the algorithm capital a you know is like it's, it's part of just the general techification of everything you know but uh seems objective or seems like it's just the most efficient way to do it hides the way like the fact that you know yeah there's always choices being made 
that are not the same choices that would be made often by a human and that many of the most meaningful song recommendations or whatever that I get are from people and that might be like a, a, a mixed CD or whatever a mix a mixtape that like yeah one song doesn't really fall logically from the other <clears throat> except for the fact that it describes the person that I know who made it you know or like yeah. it's it's idiosyncrasies or like other people's idiosyncrasies and like honestly you can we can still do that on Spotify but there's always that lurking in the background of the fact that like yeah all this is we're, we've monetized all of this for our you know purposes <clears throat> don't worry about that don't think about that yeah well along with every other change though it's like uh people went from being active consumers uh and active listeners to music to becoming passive consumers and passive listeners that you're kind of letting those choices be made for you when in reality the any growth that has happened or any like innovation or or uh, new ideas that i've found is from like not is from like totally disrespecting the opinion of someone else you know <laughs> like dude you have to listen to this i love this song i love this record i can't believe you don't like it and then you're mm -hmm. like all right i'll give it another chance like everything that uh i think has been beneficial to growth in an artistic community has been confrontational in some way and so it's it's strange that we're at a place where you know that stuff is so ubiquitous and it's sort of taken all of the logic all of the interaction and engagement out of the the process because he used to make mixtapes he used to mm -hmm. loan albums and lps and i'm like you know i have spotify i have i listen to music on youtube a lot uh, i'm not a good user i don't know how everything works and i kind of don't want to I, I have a cassette tape collection i have like a record collection that neither are mm -hmm. that big but i'm kind of all over the place i know other people who right. trust their entire uh day with that Just right but that's the thing is like mixes. At, at this point it's a conscious choice that you have to make to be a record person yeah or to be you know what i mean like <clears throat> especially for people our age i think like and we're like kind of like right at the edge of it because you know i grew up with a cd player and all that kind of stuff right and tapes but increasingly it's like yeah like you would have to really choose to be like no i buy vinyl yeah no, uh absolutely. that's my thing and it's expensive. and like it's expensive and i think it, it reminds me of the fact that like it's often been white people in general who have been the ones like going back and like trying to re record blues music and like and like love to play it still in like a true like almost period costume and you know what i mean like robert crumb or like these yeah. different people who are like obsessed with uh with you know previous eras and styles of music that was made by people of color you know what i mean in this country uh it's it's interesting i mean in, in, I, I don't have a fully formed theory about this it's something i think about kind of a lot but like you know people like uh prince or or parliament funkadelic or, or any number of um super innovative african-american musicians have been like blending genre and pressing ahead and using new technologies that are presented to them and it's, it's what's not really clear to me is like i don't, I don't think it, there's any i don't think it's possible to fall on either side but like how much of that is having to make the best of what you've got and how much of that is like genius yeah for sure because it's i mean and i think genius is like or like you know true artistic excellence you know creative excellence is like formed by its limitations as well mm -hmm. and there's something that happens maybe when you don't have those limits imposed on you when you can listen when you can literally open up spotify and listen to anything when you have all your parents money and you just like you know 
you wish nothing more than like being able to be a, a blues musician, but you'll never be that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or, I, I don't know if there's something around that. Like, I don't think, I don't know. It's tricky. Cause I don't want to get, I don't want to fall into saying that like, you know, you have to be a tortured artist or like you have to face hardship or otherwise you can't make good art. Cause I don't think that's true. You know what I mean? But like, there is something about like being forced to innovate and like not falling static. You know what I mean? Like that, that I see in like, a lot of these subgenres, a lot of these subcultures that have kind of emerged to respond to, you know, when everything gets too, yeah, like boring and yeah. too mass produced. Yeah. I mean, I think that's in a lot of the why we do this, you know, <laughs> is because a lot of that stuff is so boring. And it's like, uh, I ask people for music recommendations all the time because I literally, I just don't know what to listen to anymore. And I'm such a creature of comfort. I'll go back to listening to the same records just forever and ever uh and i it's so hard to push yourself out of the box like that you know right meanwhile songs are being written basically explicitly to be used on tiktok because that's like increasingly what's driving yeah charts you know it's like if if you know yummy by justin bieber is like yeah written in, in such a way that like it could be used by anything you know, yeah. like you can use it to like talk about any situation, like when you're feeling hungry or when you have a yummy meal, you know? Yeah. And that's a whole other weird classification of song because it, it shortens the pop genre for the first time since, you know, radio play began mm -hmm. shortening it long, long, long time ago when it was like, we can only play a single if it's X amount of time and we can only, we're only, only going to play songs like this on this radio station. You know, you got to have a hook. And now with TikTok, it's like, you have to have a hook. And it has to have like a drop away moment that yeah, and a weird sound effect somehow cinematically captured, but right, it's like a point, like, yeah, yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. Like, there's yeah. so much choreography that has to be fit into you know, like potential for choreography so that someone can put it on their TikTok. Right. Really crazy. I, I broke down and finally downloaded TikTok the other day, and two hours gone. It, it's amazing because I just want to see one more. And yeah. it's like, I've heard about this, you know what I mean? But like, Jesus Christ, it's so hard to stop watching those things. Wow. Yeah. They're not good. You know, most of them, like, you know, I'm looking, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to come across a good one, but like, clearly you have to spend so long on that thing yeah. to find some that like are, are actually like worth sharing because most of them are just totally nondescript, you know? Did you see the, this is completely off topic. I don't know how much I really have to say about genre as much anymore, yeah, but yeah. TikTok was uh, in a hearing about selling data from users to China or something like that, I think, too. Mr. TikTok, how do you plead? Yeah. That's some weird, <laughs> Mr. Like, Talk. There's some, you know, everyone just signs that privacy policy statement and right. just says, whatever, give me, give it all up. You know, I don't care. Uh, right. so, so insane so that they can capture so the, the, that many users. In that case, in that, on that kind of platform, the data they would be selling would be like what you choose to watch or like on the creator side or like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like what, yeah, I don't know what fuck, data man. is uh, why, useful to Why a are they taking our data? Back. I want it. I want my own data to be mine, please. Yeah. That's that's my private data, please. That's very weird. It's just for me. That's just for me and my uh, private time. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to add to this uh, conversation? I think it's been a pretty good one. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like I've said kind of what I wanted to say mostly. 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's super interesting. I mean, like, I actually I really like semantics and I like splitting hairs and I like to talk about why I think something falls into one category and not into another. Yeah. Um, but I think I also need like always try to make sure that like I'm keeping in mind how flexible categories always are mm-hmm. and that like and try to use that you know to like understand that like I'm bringing that's it's subjective to some extent you know I'm like yeah like for me that falls under that category or like for me it makes more sense to think about guitar music sometimes than it does about rock and roll anymore like what's the guitar music that I'm really interested in right now yeah you know, like definitely. in terms of music being made now or that kind of stuff like and and I actually I tend to resist not this isn't always true but like new categories when they emerge and I'm like okay I don't see why that makes sense yet you know what yeah. I mean? Like that, that's not, no, actually, you know, that's not how it goes. And then like maybe a year down the line or like six months, I'll be like, oh, geez, that makes a lot of sense actually. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, that's just how culture is. It just, it changes. And like, I think the the real mistake you can make is to be, um, is to speak in absolutes about things. Like I will never listen to country music. You know what I mean? Or like, I will, Definitely. you know what I mean? Like I hate, I mean, like there's some things that you just hate, but like, you know, like, look, I mean, more specific, you can be the better. Like, I really don't like this artist. And if you know why, and you can just avoid it. Um, uh, I don't know. We, we understand there's so much value and so much judgment ap- applied to different categories in our world because of how messed up it is. You know what I mean? Even though, like, maybe there, I don't know, maybe there's something inherent about categorization that's just, like, divisive. I'm not sure, but cool about it. And I think if we can kind of keep a balance of those things, then we're better off. Yeah absolutely i think that's a great sign off hell yeah all right till next time all right thanks internet yeah (laughs) thanks for listening wash your hands we love you